Lord, it takes discipline for us to do this. We are addicted to instant access and immediate response. We are so used to being on that we've lost sight of our need for rest, for renewal, and especially for you. So we thank you for the spiritual discipline of Lent. We lay aside our calendars and to-do lists and focus instead on your gifts and blessings. We stop long enough to say thank you instead of rushing around in a hurry and without any thought of appreciation through our day. We acknowledge the work of your grace in our lives and the reality that is anything but cheap. And we wait. We wait expectantly and patiently for you to speak and to make yourself known to us in new and surprising ways. To this we commit ourselves this day and we pray to you as your son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Um, and I realized just sometimes the scene, you know, the music is so pretty and it's so nice and it's so joyful and it's so uplifting and it's so nice. And in the middle of all that niceness, you're singing something extremely dangerous. You know, Lord, I want to be filled with your spirit. That is a dangerous prayer. Because being filled with the Lord's spirit usually means you have to change. You know, <laughs> you know none of us want to do that. It's actually pretty dangerous. I think about the story in, in Acts being filled with the Spirit, and all of a sudden, you know, they were, uh, they were going in different directions, spreading the word, you know, and they were getting themselves crucified and killed and uh, martyred and chased and, and beaten and everything else. It was, uh, um, it's just, we just don't realize sometimes just how dangerous the scripture is when we, when we pray to be filled, when we pray for God to move. Now, that happened to Paul. Paul waited for God's spirit to fill him. He was filled with God's spirit. And next thing you know, he's traveling uh, the, the globe, really, all around the Mediterranean, helping churches get started. And he has this church in Corinth that actually became a, kind of a, a pain for him, um, a struggle for him, but it's a church that he encouraged greatly and so in one of his letters to the church in Corinth he sends them these words about uh, reconciliation and about our work and how we go forward what ha what it means to be filled with the spirit and what and that new relationship with God and the new life that it brings so from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 we have these words so then from this point on we don't recognize people by human standards even though we used to know Christ by human standards. That isn't how we know him now. So then, if anyone is in Christ, that person is part of a new creation. The old things have gone away, and look, new things have arrived. All of these new things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ by not counting people's sins against them. He has trusted us with the message of reconciliation. So, so we are ambassadors who represent Christ. God is negotiating with you through us. We beg you as God, Christ's representatives, be reconciled to God. God caused the one who didn't know sin to be sin for our sake so that through him we could become the righteousness of God. Amen. Amen. O oh Lord, May your word find a dwelling place in us and may your spirit move in us that we would become reconciled, that we would become the ambassadors, that we would be made right, that we would become that righteousness that you create and give. Oh Lord, speak to us today. Amen. 
reconciliation. That's a big word, and, and so often when we think of reconciliation, we think of those big, dramatic kind of moments where people were at complete odds, they were complete enemies, and they were you know, just after each other, and then something happened, they were reconciled, and they were brought back together. We think of that dramatic healing of those who are opposite. You know, like, um, like John Adams and King George, right? You know, if you've studied any bit of, of, of our nation's birthing time, um, John Adams did not like King George and let everybody know about it in the social media of his day. You know, everybody knew. King George was repulsed by John Adams and all of those people who, who thought like he did. And he let everybody know. So in 1776, they were just polar opposites. They were bitter towards each other. There were all kinds of harsh words in newspapers on both sides of the Atlantic. They were opposite enemies. In 1785, John Adams is received in England as an ambassador of the new country of the United States of America. And he's received with all the pomp and all the circumstance and has audience with King George as they begin that new relationship together. Reconciliation. We've heard stories of a mom whose son is murdered and the mom somehow in her Christian heart is not only able to forgive but to be reconciled where that murderer of her son becomes like a son to her. And they have that relationship and that new life together. Or maybe you think of it like the, uh, the wonderful work that the Amish community did in Lancaster, Pennsylvania after the school shooting in 2006. After that horrible school shooting and the Amish having their own children killed, they reached out in forgiveness and reconciliation to the family of the murderer. Reconciliation, it's that coming together. And we think of it in those grand terms, but sometimes reconciliation is just two entities that are working together for the same purpose that just have to audit every once in a while and, and, and stay on track. Like we reconcile our bank accounts, right? We reconcile our our checkbooks with the bank, you know, two entities working on the same thing, just got to make sure they're all on the same page, you know, just reconcile it, get it back together, they're all on the same page working together. I think we've, uh, that, that reconciling, that working together is, uh, is that, that it's working for a mutual benefit. It's like this symbiotic kind of relationship, you know, a, a mutual symbiosis one working with the other and one helping the other. That's what this work of reconciliation is, this work of, that God has put us to, that everything works together. Of course, we, we learn that, that symbiotic relationship very clearly in uh, Disney's movie Finding Nemo, right? Finding Nemo is a presentation to us of that symbiotic relationship of the clownfish and the sea anemone. The sea anemone uh, would die without the clownfish. The clownfish actually eats invertebrates that would damage the sea anemone, and the sea anemone would die without the clownfish being in there to eat all of those invertebrates that would kind of take over. 
As a matter of fact, what the clownfish, after it eats, what it emits, actually fertilizes the sea anemone to continue to grow. So the sea anemone finds this life in this relationship. But then the sea anemone, we all know, has stinger cells in it. If you've ever been stung by one, it, it keeps predators away. So that the clownfish that doesn't get stung can actually live in the sea anemone, lay its eggs, and raise its young, and continue to live. Reconcile. Symbiotic mutual relationship. They're, they're working together. They're coming together so that they all have, what did the scripture say? This new life. It comes together for this new life, this new life that's coming together. Everything working together for the same purpose, for this new life, for this new gift that's coming to us. Be reconciled. Paul encourages us as the church. Be reconciled. Be reconciled. And then you become ambassadors. We work together for the same purpose. Being reconciled is not just about forgiveness. It's not just about, okay, we're broken and we're forgiven and now we go on our way. But it's about this coming together in this symbiotic relationship, working together as ambassadors for God's kingdom. Our reconciliation with God is the birth of this mutual symbiotic relationship where life happens. Not a parasitic relationship, because that just means one feeds off the other and the other dies, but a mutual symbiotic relationship. Our spiritual life that drives our everyday, our everyday actions is part of our relationship with God. We need God. And so God acts. God acts into our lives. And then we respond to God's action. I call this the divine dance. God always leads, and God acts, and we respond. And God acts, and we respond. We respond as ambassadors of God's kingdom. We need God. And our response is to work in the kingdom. God acts. God sees people hurting and broken and enslaved in Egypt, right? And God acts in the Exodus story of the Old Testament. And God acts and the, the people come out and God acts and he, he gives them a land of milk and honey. And, and how do the people respond? They respond as a new nation, as a new life, and with laws, laws that differentiate them from all of the cultures and the worlds around them because they are now ambassadors for God in the world in a new way. God acts through the Exodus story of salvation and they respond by living according to these laws that begin to reflect God's kingdom here on earth. We're broken. We're broken people. We have sin and shame and, and guilt in our lives and God acts. God does something. He acts. He comes to us in hu as a human, as a Jesus Christ. And God moves in our lives through Jesus Christ. And then we respond. We follow Jesus on the way. The way of Christ. And a new life emerges and comes for us. Forgiveness. God acts and forgives. Reconciled. So that we become ambassadors in this new life. We are better 
for God's salvation and by God's design, the kingdom needs our response. We are the workers in the field. We are the workers in the kingdom. By God's design, God has chosen us to be the ambassadors, the, the reflection of God's kingdom, those who show what Jesus Christ is now here on earth. God, us, symbiotic relationship, like the clownfish and the sea anemone, you know, God in us, and now this great work happens. Now, the God in us relationship, it's not an equal relationship, but it is a mutual relationship. We see it right here in our own church, don't we? The mutual relationship that we share. New horizon, nourishing lives. And I know some people say, oh, those are, you know, two things. Nourishing lives does this and the church does that. But nourishing lives wouldn't be here without New Horizon. And New Horizon today might not be the church in the community without nourishing lives. Mutually working because each is better with the other in that relationship. The story <clears throat> kind of goes like this. Nourishing lives actually began as Pakasat from a few youth. A few youth out of the New Horizon youth group. And they saw a need in their, in their schools and in their community. And, you know, a dozen, 20 bags are packed with snacks in it for kids to have on the weekend. And it's born. And then the United Methodist Church, the United Methodist Church, our Florida conference, puts out this call that says, you know, churches, you know, one of the best ways to reach out in the community and to be known is to, is to have a partnership with the schools. And so it's like, well, we got Pakistan, we got lots of schools in our area, we got people spread out all over the place. So what school do you work with? What school is in your community? What school do you have a relationship with? And so New Horizon begins to connect with these schools, nourishing lives, begins to respond to all those schools. Before you know it, instead of a dozen, it's 60 or 80 bags on the weekend, and then it's 100, and then COVID hits. And we have a relationship with these schools, and Nourishing Lives is doing this work, and now it's not just about, about food, but it's feed, lead, read. Did I say that right? <laughs> yeah. Feed, lead, read. It's about developing leadership in young people in the schools. It's about providing books and, and reading for, to keep education going, and, and, and it's exposed, it's expanding, and Nourishing Lives, uh, nourishing lives this wouldn't happen without New Horizons without the resources and the wisdom and the people and the energy and the work and all that New Horizon is, Nourishing Lives wouldn't happen without the money and the servants and the facilities and all of that. It wouldn't happen. Nourishing Lives is better because of New Horizons. And New Horizons is better because of Nourishing Lives. New Horizon is better because of of nourishing lives, New Horizon has become very visible and very present in our community. It has become a church that is well known. We have become visible in the schools, and so the kids and their parents who go to the schools are saying, hey, our, our troop or our group are, needs to meet at this facility, and we have these relationships in our community. There are partnerships and relationships that, that New Horizon would never have without nourishing lives leading the way. The work at our, at our West Campus, 
our Everglades Community Campus. We have folks that are new members to this congregation. We have folks that are being baptized during the COVID era because of what Nourishing Lives is doing in our, our next location. We claim as New Horizon to be a missional church. That missional church is being lived out most eloquently as Nourishing Lives. The two working together in a symbiotic relationship. Each better because of the other. Each finding new life and new opportunities as we grow and move forward in the, if you want to call it, the post-COVID era, but I think it's always going to be around. As we go forward, there is new life. There is, there is new hope. There is new energy because of the two coming together and working together in this symbiotic relationship. You know, this reconciliation and this coming together is probably most clearly seen, of course it's most clearly seen, in the words of Jesus himself. In the words of Jesus himself in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells this story. There was a man who had two sons. Two sons, right? Older son, younger son. Younger son, knowing that he only gets a small percentage of, of the inheritance from dad, says, Dad, just give it to me now. I'm going to go off and find my own way. You know, dad is grieved, but doesn't. Gives the son his money. The son goes off to make his own way in the world. What was once a family is now broken apart. Dad is grieved, working the family business with one son, the other son's off on his own. The other son off on his own, he doesn't make it. You know, bad business deals, a depression, you know, maybe COVID hit, who knows. You know, lots of stuff happened, and all of a sudden, he's out of money, and all his only job is throwing slop to pigs. And he says, so <clears throat> I might not be my dad's son anymore, but I can go be a worker, right? I can go be a worker in the field. So the son's coming back, dad sees him coming, reconciled. Dad, and son says, I'll work for you, dad. Dad says, no, you are a representative of the family. You are an ambassador. Take the cloak, take the ring that shows that you are an ambassador for me, that you're an ambassador for the family. Now the older son, he comes back in and he says, hey, wait, 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 wait. What is going on here? I have been working. I have been doing what you're supposed to do. I've been following the traditional line of what a son is supposed to do for his dad. I followed that line. Now, how come I didn't get the fatted calf? How come I didn't get a party with all that dancing and music? You know, I didn't get that. And the father says, hey, we've got the symbiotic relationship, always have. We've been working together. You know, you're entitled to what? You know, but there's new life. When there's been a restoration a reconciliation, and a new symbi symbiotic relationship. There's a celebration there. We work together with God, and I guarantee you that party didn't keep going on. The next morning, that younger son got up wearing dad's coat, wearing dad's ring, and he had to go to work being an ambassador for the family. 
It's about the relationship. Reconciliation is about this relationship where you come together. You come together for the work of God's kingdom. And so you can hear it in Paul's language in this letter. Be reconciled to God. There's this, like this pleading in it. Be reconciled. This is where life is. The, you know, we need God to forgive us. We need that, that wholeness and that forgiveness in our life. But the kingdom, the kingdom needs workers. It needs that, that humility of those who have, who have said, I'll be the servant, I'll be the ambassador. Be reconciled. Enter into this relationship, this relationship of, of, a, of a symbiotic mutuality where we work together. The new creation, the new life is birthed in reconciliation. But now we are ambassadors. We are about the work. You see, not only are we called to be reconciled, but we are entrusted with the work of reconciliation because it continues to go on. Not only do we get the forgiveness of our sins, but we also are <clears throat> blessed with the call to be followers of Jesus Christ. We need Jesus. Yes, we do. And the kingdom of Jesus Christ needs the workers. Reconcile. Be reconciled and be a part of the mutual symbiotic relationship where we find life. Amen? Most gracious God, in our personal lives, in our faith lives, in our church, let us be reconciled so that we can find that new life that drives us to the work of being ambassadors for Christ. And as ambassadors for Christ, let us be about always the work of reconciliation, of making lives and homes whole, of bringing healing to our neighbors and to our community and to our world. Amen. Let us uh, sing together of God's amazing grace. Let us respond to God with the dance because God has spoken into our lives, right? Amen.
Sunday, I got to engage uh, digitally online, and uh, here's something I can tell you. It sounds a whole lot better here than it does, Amen. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, just saying, <laughs> just saying, because uh, next Sunday, next Sunday is the first Sunday of, of April, it's the first Sunday of the month, we will have one unified worship service rallying around the communion table as we share in communion together, and so we're all invited to share at 10 o'clock on Sunday, next Sunday morning, one unified worship service as we share together. Just part of our way, God has blessed us and we respond and that's part of that dance. And so I encourage you to, uh, to be present in person. Of course, we will also have the, the digital stuff going also next week, but we'll have one worship service, 10 o'clock, around the uh, communion table. Um, as we go, go now to uh, respond with your, your giving, um, with your prayers, uh, with your service, but engage in God's work in the kingdom as we share together. Go in peace and go with the assurance that God has given his own, one and only son that you might be reconciled to our Lord. Go now as servants, as ambassadors of Christ. Amen. Amen. This is amazing grace. 